Are the New York Mets now the worst team in the National League East? We'll discuss that on today's edition, Locked On Mets. You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. On the show today, the Mets blew another game, and we'll talk about that in the first segment and why they've really become just the worst team in the National League. In the second segment, I want to discuss Max Scherzer's comments today about how the clubhouse still believed that they had a chance this year prior to the deadline and what that would have looked like if the Mets actually had just stood pat and tried to win with this team because the Mets have really been in the mix. We'll go through it. Then in the final segment, we will take a trip around the Mets minor league affiliates and break down some of the highlights from over the weekend. Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter at FinkelsteinRyan. I also find somebody writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. Swing for the fences on Sleeper Picks, and you can win up to 100 times your money. Download Sleeper app and use promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get up to $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. Well, the Mets blew another game on Monday night in just frustrating, embarrassing fashion. This team's awful, and it's rough to watch, and it's getting to the point where it almost feels like why even bother anymore? You know, you had a chance to have a fun series against the Rangers, I feel like, because there is a little bit of spoiler you could play here. The Rangers have been on a little bit of a free fall, and you could have helped continue that, and in a way, you could have got... It's weird to say, I don't want to say revenge on Max Scherzer, um, but I guess I just did by saying it. It'll, Max Scherzer, his exit was not quite as harmonious as the Justin Verlander exit. Goes to Houston, says, hey, I have nothing but good things to say about the Mets organization, and you know they sent him back to the team he's so comfortable with. You know, Scherzer was a little more blunt and honest, and I think from hearing his comments today, which we're going to get to a little bit in the next segment, uh, you can respect it a little bit more just knowing that that's Scherzer being Scherzer. But, you know, this was a series where the Mets could have gone up a little bit and they were winning early on in this game. And it would have been fun to see them steal game one and have a chance to win a series. Because at the end of the day, if I'm going to still spend my time watching these games, I want to see the Mets win. As much as we can talk about the tank and all that stuff, if I'm going to invest the three hours of my night to watch Mets baseball, I like to see them hold on to these games. And I still get jacked up when I see Brandon Nemo hit a home run, a two-run shot in the third inning. That still gives me a little bit of a shot of adrenaline. Oh, wow, Nemo's up to 19 home runs. It makes me feel better about Nemo moving forward. Can Nemo be a 20-home run guy now? On this new contract, very well could be he's going to do it in year one, and it seems like he's certainly tapping into more power. Now, is he going to round out his game and 
hit for a little bit of a higher average the way he has in the past, as well as bringing this power in? You'd hope so, because that's what's going to make him an even better player. But to see him get to the point this year, or maybe he finishes with 22, 23 home runs, that's awesome. And he set a career high tonight. So that was a nice little moment. And then DJ Stewart continues to be awesome. Okay? I mean, what was it? Maybe two weeks ago now that I said DJ Stewart could be part of the Mets' future as a guy that could be a fourth outfielder next year, even a guy that, you know, if some of the prospects don't pan out, can continue to get playing time. And maybe he's your starting left fielder, worst-case scenario, next year. They don't make any additions in free agency, and they don't have a prospect that grabs those at-bats. DJ Stewart's looking like a good hitter. He had, what, 16 home runs uh, in Syracuse, and now he's got, what is it, seven with the Mets? So 23 on the year, and you know he's still not even at 100 games played to hit 23 home runs. It's impressive, and he's got a 936 OPS with the Mets. He's been good. And Tyler McGill pitched really well. Like, out of nowhere, Tyler McGill and David Peterson reminded us of the best versions of themselves. He goes six innings, the last five hits, only one earned, one walk, struck out eight against, I mean, one of the best lineups in all of baseball. He went up and down against Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager and Adelise Garcia and all these big-name guys they have there who have just great numbers on the season. I mean, he went through that lineup, and he put the Mets in position to win up 3-1 when he left the game. But story in the Mets season, they just are terrible. And the bullpen gives up three runs in the last two innings. Trevor Gott blows the save, giving up two runs, and just struggling to limit the the damage. He he nearly escaped it. He got three strikeouts in his inning, but he gave up three hits and a walk and two runs. And the Mets obviously couldn't score in the bottom half, and they drop another one. And now they're sitting at 16-72, 12 games under. And this was solidified over the weekend. Um, you know, when they lost that series to the angels where they fell to the last place in this division. Uh, but the nationals lost tonight as well. Still though, the Mets are behind the Nats in the national league East. They are looking to, to be the fifth place team in this division, which is just pathetic. And the nationals have played good baseball. They're 25 and 16 in the second half, uh, because they're 16 and eight in August. And they've done all that with a minus one run differential, which Shows you maybe that there's um, not necessarily the the biggest staying power in this little run of success for the Nationals. But if you're a Nationals fan watching baseball in August, you've certainly been far more entertained than Mets fans have been by this team. And the Mets still have considerably more talent. So it's just frustrating. And, uh, you know, in the long run, obviously all of these things could be worth it. But in the short term, it's pretty brutal to be a Mets fan trying to enjoy any bit of the remainder of this season. And at this point, I mean, you imagine they might actually finish in last place, worse than the Washington Nationals, who have a bottom barrel payroll. And I mean, how many guys can you even name on the Nationals roster at this point off the top of your head? like C.J. Abrams and Dom Smith and Joey Manessis and Lane Thomas. and I don't even know who else is over there. So I just can't believe 
how bad they've been, even with the guys that are playing on this roster, they shouldn't be even losing at this rate. But that, that's what happens when you strip the team for parts and uh, you weren't that good in the first place. And that's what I want to get to next because Max Scherzer made some comments talking to the New York media about how um, in that clubhouse, the Mets still felt like they were in it all the way up till the end there. And I want to just go through if the Mets decided to believe in their team, what position would they be in right now? So we'll get to that in a minute. Before we do, though, today's episode is brought to you by Sleeper. Want the chance to win more money with less picks? Head to Sleeper, where you can win up to 100 times your money on just two or more fantasy baseball picks. Sleeper is now offering up to 100 time payout for up to eight pick contests, where you can choose as many as eight players that you like and pick more or less on your favorite baseball stats like home runs, strikeouts, hits, and more. Get your picks right and you can win big. They also have built-in group chat functionality where you can see and copy your group's picks with a tap of a button and answers can be made in 30 seconds or less. It's that easy. There's also safe and fast withdrawals. Use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get up to $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. The New York Mets play the Texas Rangers at 710 Eastern time tonight. Catch every pitch of the Mets hometown broadcast. Sirius XM on the SXM app. Just search Mets. Now, Max Scherzer spoke with the New York media today and tried to clear some things up. He said that him and Justin Verlander are on uh, better terms than they were at the start of the season, sort of absolving himself or at least trying to of having any part in that story about Justin Verlander being a diva and all that stuff. And he said that the Mets had a great clubhouse while he was there and a clubhouse that believed that they could win and not only wanted to win, but wanted to run it back and try to win in 2024, that this was a team that really felt like they still had a window and that they could get back in the race. He even said it's the billion dollar question as to why um, the Mets can't win as a franchise, basically. Um, which probably is when it comes to, to Steve Cohen here and what the money he's spent and how it seems like this franchise remains just a little tiny bit cursed. Um, but I wanted to take those comments and, and say, all right, let's say Max Scherzer pitches that game against the Washington Nationals. And he has his meetings with uh, Billy Epler and Steve Cohen before the deadline. He says, guys, we believe in this clubhouse. We're going to do it for you. Don't sell. Don't hit the panic button. Just trust that this team can do it. And you know what? Steve Cohen's so fired up in his conversation with Scherzer. So, you know what? Yeah, Max, you and Justin are going to lead us to a World Series in the next two years. We still believe in you. I invested all this money. I'm all in on it. Let's stay the course and not do anything. Could the Mets have actually gotten back in the race with those guys? Since the deadline, Max Scherzer has pitched to a 2.64 ERA and five starts. He won his first three starts in a Rangers uniform, um, then lost one and got a no decision his last time out when he did pitch seven innings, line with just two runs with 10 strikeouts. Justin Verlander has pitched to his 2.79 ERA with the Astros, has won each of his last four starts. Really great for these guys trying to rack up wins to get out of New York and get to some better baseball teams. But if they were with the Mets still, you'd imagine they would have won some more games in August. In July, the Mets went 14-9. They won six in a row to start the month. That was 
their final two in a series against the Giants that they won and then swept the D-backs and then took the first two of a four-game set against the Padres. But they lost the final two games of that series heading into the break. That was one uh, chance of momentum that was squandered. They then lost the first series out of the break to the Dodgers. No shame in that, but hey, at the point, at the hole that the Mets had dug, they had to win those series. Um, they won their next series against the White Sox, but couldn't sweep it. Uh, lost the series to the Red Sox, which ultimately I think is when Steve Cohen made his decision to sell. Split a two-game set against the Yankees, then won three or four against the Nationals at a time where they were stripping the team for parts. They traded David Robertson on the night of that first game, traded Scherzer, uh, I guess the following day, right? I think it was that Saturday. And then after that series, Justin Verlander was dealt too. After that, this month, they got destroyed by uh, the Royals right out of the deadline, which you can sort of chalk up to a team that was just depressed. Then throughout the month, they've faced the Orioles and the Braves twice. And in those series against those juggernauts, they only won one of the nine games. Let's just say the Mets had stood pat and, you know, maybe even did the Padres soft retool that we saw. Maybe they win that series against the Royals because they stay pat and the vibes are good. Okay. So maybe that's a couple extra wins. Maybe they win the series against the angels over the weekend this past weekend here. Uh, so there's three more wins. Maybe instead of losing eight of nine to the Braves and the Orioles, they, they, they actually win four of nine. So they still end up losing a couple of those series, but Hey, they, they aren't terrible. Add three more wins to it. So there's six more wins, six less losses. And suddenly the Mets are 16 and 11 in August, which puts them pretty much in line with what they did in July when they were 14 and nine, that would be a 30 and 20 stretch over, you know, about two months span. That's playing 600 baseball with all of that. The Mets would still be 500. They'd be sitting at 66 and 66 right now. Now they'd be three and a half games back of a playoff spot. And we'd certainly be talking ourselves into it, but they'd have four teams to jump over. And you look at the three teams right now, they're holding on to wild card spots. You get the Phillies who have won seven of their last 10. They're 73 and 57 on the season. They are clearly separating themselves as the top wildcard team and maybe a tier above all these wildcard teams. You have the D-backs who won eight of their last 10. Although, as I'm recording this, they're losing to the Dodgers, so they'll probably lose that one. But still, uh, the Cubs have won seven of the last 10. And those are the three teams sitting in, in the driver's seat. And then you still have the Giants, um, the Reds, and the Marlins, who the Mets would have to jump over as well. If they snuck into the playoffs, they'd maybe face the Brewers in a three-game set in Milwaukee. You make it out of that, you got to face the Dodgers and the NLDS. If you end up somehow grabbing the second seed, they would have faced the Phillies and then have to face the Braves. The chance that the Mets would have made it through all of it and grabbed a playoff spot with those guys, I don't care how much that clubhouse believes, according to Scherzer, or believed. There's no way. So the Mets made the prudent decision. And if you look at where the Padres are right now, can you imagine if the Padres had just done what the Mets did? The Padres had traded Blake Snell before he hits free agency and traded Josh Hader, traded Seth Lugo and Michael Walker if they wanted to. They could have traded Juan Soto or Sung Kim if they wanted to. Two guys that would have got them immense value. There's a lot that the Padres could have done. And they'd be sitting with a team that still has pieces under contract with a much, much better farm system. And that's where the Mets are. So as much as all of this is frustrating, 
at least you come out of this year with Luis and Helicuna, Drew Gilbert, Ryan Clifford, and Marco Vargas, four prospects I had in my top 10 that all came from this deadline. Ronald Hernandez has been awesome since coming to the Mets. He's the other prospect they got in the David Robertson trade. Um, he's probably a top 20 prospect. Jeremiah Jackson has been good. They got him in the Dominic Leone trade. He might be a top 20 prospect now. Justin Jarvis is a top 20 prospect, a starter that gives them some depth in the upper levels of their farm system. And if they're lucky and everything breaks right for them when it comes to this tank down the stretch, they might land a top six pick out of it all as well. I think we're all just anxious for the Mets to turn the page to 2024 because this season is just so disgusting at this point. But at least the season isn't for nothing. And you look at the Padres, look at the Angels, some of these teams that should have sold and didn't. Well, the Mets could be sitting in a way worse position than they are. Even though in the standings, it looks really bad. And watching this team play baseball is a very rough experience. The franchise made the right decision. And hopefully if they continue to make the right decisions, they can shed some of the stink that has been associated with the New York Mets. And maybe one day be a winning franchise. I guess that's what we're all hoping for. Um, A lot of those hopes hinge with what's going on in the minor leagues. I'm going to give you our latest trip around the affiliates next. First, though, another word from our sponsors. The New York Mets by the Texas Rangers again, 710 Eastern time tonight. Catch every pitch of the Mets hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search. Mets. Well, the Binghamton Rumble Ponies hat is on. It is time to talk about the Mets minor leagues and what happened over the weekend. We're going to start this one in AAA and work our way down. Ronnie Mauricio had a great game on Saturday. He went three for five with a home run and a double. He also doubled on Friday night as well in a game where he went one for four. Mauricio is hitting well over 290 and still sits in AAA. Maybe September call-ups, <laughs> you get Ronnie Mauricio. I don't know at this point. I don't know. At least we're still getting a healthy diet of Jonathan Arauz. Brett Beatty, rough weekend, went two for 12, but he did launch his ninth home run in Syracuse this year. Fifth home run of the month. And then the biggest story of the weekend in Syracuse was Mike Vassell. He pitched another gem. He went six innings, allowed one run on four hits and two walks, struck out four he lowered his ERA in AAA to 4.63, which is respectable considering he was sitting with an ERA over five for some time in AAA. And over his last four starts, he's pitching to a 1.75 ERA. On tomorrow's show, I will spend a little more time on Mike Vassell and why the Mets may not call him up this year, even though they probably should. But hey. We'll spend more time on that uh, on the next show or at some point later this week. Double A, Drew Gilbert continues to be a sensation on Friday night. He went two for three with two walks um, in his five plate appearances. And he hit his fourth home run with the Rumble Ponies in his 16th home run of this season. 
Since coming over to the Mets organization at the deadline in the Justin Verlander trade, Drew Gilbert's hitting 338, 395 on base, 568 slug. That is in 20 games. Luis Angel Acuna has an OPS below 600 still, I believe. He struggled since coming over. Um, I don't know if that necessarily on the short sample size of 20-some-odd games makes us forget about all Acuna has done in his last couple of years in the minor leagues and the fact that he'll probably swipe 60 this year. Uh, but I would not be surprised if there's some top 10 lists that have Drew Gilbert number one over Acuna if he finishes off this year strong, and we'll just have to see. Um, when I made my recent top 10, I had Acuna above Gilbert because the sample size is just much greater of him being an above average player, particularly at this double A level. Uh, but Gilbert looks awesome. And so who knows, maybe by the time I'm reevaluating this going into the 2024 season, maybe Gilbert is a top prospect in the Met system, or maybe it's Jet Williams because man, the way Jet Williams looks in high A He's starting to seriously make a case for himself. And at some point over the next two years, I wholeheartedly believe that Jet Williams will be the top prospect in this system. I think it's likely when both Acuna and Gilbert graduate. Uh, but even if one graduates and the other one's down, I, I don't know. I mean, Jet Williams, who I had number three in my top 10, he just continues to rake. And it could just be one hot streak from a really uber talented player. But he went two for four on Friday night, his fifth home run with the Cyclones. He did go 0 for 6 on Saturday and Sunday combined, but he walked three times. So the on-base percentage, 333, uh, it's not bad. Now he's played 24 games in high A. He's hitting 326, 468 on base, 593 slug, five home runs, eight doubles, 14 RBIs, 16 runs scored, nine stolen bases in 10 attempts. He's drawn 22 walks and has only struck out 21 times. If Jet Williams finishes the season off like this, and it's not going to be hard for him to do that. There's only 12 games left in high A, and I really don't think the Mets would call him up to double A at the end of this year because I don't know if they want to set that precedent going into next season. They might still want to start him off in his you know, age 20 season in high A and make him earn that promotion to double A the beginning of the year, which who knows? I mean, if he can hit the ground running the way he has this year in high A, it wouldn't be long. Um, I don't know if they're ready to just say, all right, go with the double A now. So he's got 12 games left. Um, if he plays like this for, for the last 12 games, and this is the lasting impression that scouts have going into next season, I got to imagine Jet Williams is going to be a consensus top 100, top 100 prospect around the game. Um, maybe even more so than some of their other prospects. Like, how are evaluators going to view Jet Williams compared to Drew Gilbert? I really don't know. Um, he's been special. And I would be interested to see if the Mets put Jet Williams in the Arizona Fall League because that would be a great way to put him up against really good competition and just see. You know, maybe you put him in the Arizona Fall League, he tears the cover out of the ball, and you say, you know what? We're going to put Jet Williams in double A next year to start the season. And then who knows how fast the kid can find his way up to the big leagues. I still think it's a stretch to imagine 2024, but I'm looking more and more towards 2025. I know I've said that before, but this dude is so talented. And you know, the fact is he's playing shortstop and center field. I don't even know what position he plays. I think that's a fun 
exercise that we'll continue to go through over the next you know, calendar year here, uh, trying to find positions for all these guys, you know, trying to find a place for Jet Williams and Acuna and Gilbert. But um, what you will see pretty soon here is the Mets are going to get a lot more athletic. They're going to get a lot more speed on the base pass and, and on the diamond defensively. And that's only going to help them you know, fit into the new modern game with the way it's being played, particularly with these new rules and how we're seeing some of these faster athletic teams you know, really find a way to put together potent offenses and, and solid defenses that help their pitching staffs and just become winners. So uh, I think, it's a lot more fun right now to be monitoring the minor league system and seeing the guys like Gilbert and, and Williams. And even, you know, when you had Jeremiah Jackson last week, Homer and, you know, three consecutive games, all those things are fun to monitor where you can look towards the future and feel good about the Mets for once. Cause as we open the show with, there's not a lot to feel good about at the big league level. Anyway, that's going to be all for today's edition of Locked on Mets for all you everydayers. Unless there's some big news, I think we will spend some time on Mike Vassell on tomorrow's show and why the Mets might be holding him back this year. Um, so make sure you tune into that. Subscribe, rate, review, wherever you get your podcast. Follow me on Twitter at Finkelstein Ryan. Follow the show, Locked on Mets.